Oh, yes. This is the Hardcore Marketing Show. I'm Casey Cheshire, your host for this epic journey. And today's show, sponsored by Cheshire Impact, on a mission to help people maximize their use of Pardot and Salesforce. CheshireImpact.com. Bam. And we are live. Ah, uh, yes. This is going to be a powerful one. I am stoked. I've been spending all day preparing for this, this battle royale, this excellent, excellent conversation. And my guest, I'm so excited to introduce you to him. He wears multiple hats. He is, I call him an entrepreneur. He's a marketer. He's definitely done sales, business development, even operations. He's the kind of go-to guy that companies just like, hey, do you want to just do everything? <laughs> um, and so uh, he's also a Facebook ad guru. We're going to talk all about Facebook on this, on this episode, get into the down and dirties. Uh, customer service, he's got a neat approach to that as well as funnels. He also has a, a business that um, is a lot quicker than our typical B2B slow, steady. So he's got he's to get people's attention, keep it, and make it work. So we're going to talk about some of the motivations that he does there. Um, he is a cool guy, digital marketing expert, my friend, and the director of business development at uh, Classic Photography. Keith Phillips, how are you, sir? I'm awesome. Thanks for having me, Casey. Really yeah, excited man. about this. Yeah. I almost got lost in your introduction. It, <laughs> I was just, just going to let you just keep going, you know? Just keep going, man. Just keep going, right? You yeah. know, the joke is some people uh, clip, clip this part of the episode and they make it the wake up on their cell phone. Uh, yes, yeah. Ladies and gentlemen. My ringtone, yeah. That's right. It's your, oh, that yeah. would be – if we go hang out later, if, you, if that's your ringtone – you get yeah. a, I'll buy. I'm buying at that point. Nice. I'll remember that. <laughs> okay, good. So awesome, man. Glad to have you here. You know, there's so many things you're doing. We're, you know, the theme of today's show, we're going to talk about Facebook. We're talking about funnels, automation, um, marketing, when every minute and every engagement counts when you have that shorter sales cycle. So I want to hear, I want to pass you. You talked about it. Here it is. It's oh, heavy, man. It's right. It's hammer. Thor's hammer. I got it. Take that thing and smash for me some kind of marketing myth, some kind of crazy bogus strategy. You bugs the heck out of you. Yeah, for sure. Um, and I was guilty of this thought process myself. Um, you know, and I think a big myth is, you know, we live in this world of automation, right? We're always yeah. striving to automate everything and it's become easier to do that. And I think just because you can automate something doesn't mean that you ought to. Uh, there are times you need to look at that and say, is there a better way we can handle this than, than the automation we're looking at? You know, I like that. Just because you can doesn't mean you should. Yeah, it applies for a lot of things. <laughs> but uh, um, like, like what? what? Are there some areas you've seen automation just run a rails? Sure. Well, I, th I think, you know, my favorite place to look at this is, um, you know, in your funnel. So, you know... I I believe in conversational marketing, right? So there are times right. where, you know, we, we look as digital marketers, our dream is that we're sitting on the beach and, and making money, right? And maybe checking our emails from our cell phone, right? But yeah. uh, I mean, and Bling, you know, order. Just yeah, now. yeah, we can do that, right? You know, that's still on the table. But I think there's times in your marketing um, where you want to actually initiate a conversation with someone and, okay. you know, uh, there's still a place to be people when dealing with people. Right. So, um, I think, you know, initiating that real life conversation isn't exactly automation. Right. Um, right, right. Actually it, it not, we're not even saying like a nurture email. We're saying like there is a time to actually reach out to someone, you know, this is kind of cool. Cause you know, I don't, I don't, wouldn't call myself the king of automation, but yeah, you know, sometimes I have been called Mr. Pardot every now and then. <laughs> And I do love me some automation, some nurturing. But what I do hate about that is when people just automate some horrible email. And I think people forget that automation automates what you tell it, you know. So right. if you're giving it garbage, it's going to be even more efficient and effective at getting garbage to more people. <laughs> like, right. You get what you get out what you put in, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, so, so true that take a second look at Okay, we're automating this. Is this, do we want a thousand X more people receiving this kind of message? Maybe you do, but maybe you don't. Yeah, and you know, 
exactly same thing i'm an automation nerd like from yeah. the moment i realized i can automate things i started looking at like oh my gosh what can i automate and then what could i automate in my life too you know and so i'm, I'm a big believer in that you know we want to save time we want to be efficient there's only so much time in the day um you know and time can be money in business but um you know to talk a little bit about conversational marketing and i guess yeah. i would kind of get I into, love that, man. Yeah. yeah into funnels a little bit is um you know whether it's an email or a text message I like to use like the, the eight word, you know, conversation starter. So we send a lot of emails, right. That you're like, you know, um, you know, I'm hoping to click through and buy, right. Click through and buy. What's my click through rate. What's my open rate. Right. Well, I kind of want to know what's, what's my conversation rate. And it's so hard to track. And I guess that would be another Mm -hmm. myth, right? A myth is that everything we do has to be data driven and what can we track? And, you know, at the end of the day, um, you know, my real goal is how many sales can I make and, and how can we provide an awesome experience for everybody involved, the client, you know, our right. staff, our team. So I like to use what's called the eight word email, but you could apply it to text. You could apply it to Facebook messenger where you're just asking an open-ended question. And I know a lot of digital marketers minds might like explode to hear this, but <laughs> I want to write an email that just says like, how can I help you with X today? Or, Hey, did you need any help finding X question mark? I might not even have a signature in that email. It might just say, thanks, Keith. You know, maybe it has like a a URL just to my homepage or something. So, you know, to keep it authentic, you know, in the subject line authentic, but what that kind of email or text is going to like initiate is a conversation with a real person where they're, they're like, wow, this person really cares and wants to know what my needs are and perhaps they can help me fix it. So, um, and look, when you're done with that, you know, that interaction, they may just end up back in your automation. Right. And I I do feel like automation should also always look authentic when you're talking about, you know, email, text, Facebook, whatever. Um, but just opening up that conversation with someone can really, you know, go a long way. Um, Yeah. You know, I thought I was the only one that did that, but I'm glad to see that. So, and I didn't even want to tell people about it, but I'm glad, I'm glad you do, man. You're trying to help people out. Uh, that it's, we don't talk in, you know, we don't write these Elizabethan, you know, three page, you know, love letters to each other. Right. So it, maybe we should, but, uh, but you know, especially customers, when they get that long email, you just see a bunch of paragraphs, you know, it was just some kind of, it's like a brochure and how many yeah. brochures we read at trade shows, you know, like not really. So to your point, this eight word email. I, I like that. I've never heard it de- described. I mean, I've, I think I've sort of naturally kind of written short things, but to hear it described as an eight word email and with an open-ended question, I, I can see how that might scare some people because the response then needs to be handled. And I know some people out there who are like, well, I know there's some apps that will, that will use AI to respond to those. I'm like, ah, just engage with your customer for Pete's sakes, you know? Yeah, if they're engaging with that, they're people trying to give you money like it. So like, yeah. you know, or, or trying to, you know, work with you on your product or whatever it is you're trying to achieve. Right. So, um, that's, that's a good problem if you have a lot of people to respond to. Um, right. Right. Yeah. No, the, the eight word, uh, it's such a huge thing. Um, nobody does this and, and in the way you described it too, it's not this fake looking email. Like, no one ever receives a personal email from someone with a logo at the top, you know? Yeah, right. Exactly. It's like yeah. a signal that just screams, I am some fake email from some BS marketer, yeah. right? Who heard oh. eight word thing on a podcast, but then like forgot, <laughs> forgot to make it personalized, but no, 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 no logos, no graphics, super personalized. It's yeah. just, Hey, quick question for you. Yeah. And that's automation in itself, right? Cause you're going to send that to hundreds, yeah. thousands of people, depending on how big your list is. But, yeah. but the point is to, to initiate real human interaction, you know, but then you get those responses and you got to deal with that. Right. Is, it's a good problem. To have. It's a good problem to have. That's yeah. right. I mean, click through rates are great, but I think reply rates are even better in most cases. Um, you know, again, you might follow up with a simple answer to their simple response and, yeah. You know, and in that response, now they find themselves on your website and, and raising their hand a little further, right? Whether it's adding to a cart or filling yeah. out a form. And then they end up back in your automation, which should still feel authentic. Um, again, I don't really consider myself a great copywriter. It's not something I've studied or, but I like you, like you just said, I try to sit down and write an email as if I was writing it to you, Casey, or, you know, to a buddy, like how, you know, 
make it real? Like, how would I interact with you? So right. the rest of the automation may pick up and have the same similar tone um, down the road. But yeah, let's start some real conversations. Yeah, you know, start the conversations. And, you know, once a year I invite people, there's a conference we go to and I invite everyone to to join me at it with a little eight word email. And the response is on like a 3,000 person list or whatever we have yeah. these days. It keeps growing. Um, it's got to be at least 50% you know, and, and those are, those are actual human responses, not even counting the on vacation, but it's, it's amazing how many people are on vacation at any given time. You know, you send out an email <laughs> and you get like, you know, 400 out of offices. You're like, what are you people doing? Get back to work. Yeah. Or I'm thinking maybe I should be on vacation. Or, or, <laughs> yeah, good call. Good call. It's a better way of approaching it. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, the responses come in. And so, but if you've got a, if you've got an automation where, uh, people are getting it on their own time, then you're not going to get like, you know, a thousand, fifteen hundred, two thousand replies. You'll get, you know, a couple at, as they're, as they're happening. So that's probably a nice way of, you know, if you automate that kind of personal touch, then the replies won't be overwhelming. You can right. handle it. Um, and, but yeah, it, it, it's off, off the automation rails and it's a little harder to track, but you know, I've heard, this is kind of a cool thing that I've heard a lot too. Um, building things to not scale. You know, yes. Yeah. Okay. Does this scale? No, but that's okay right now. Let's just do this. And maybe we have a, we have an effort that doesn't scale. Maybe we just do it anyways, you know, and not trying to always tweak it so that you can mass produce something. Yeah, you're totally right. And you might, you might learn something in the middle of, you know, that whole, you know, non-scalable thing. You might learn something that is scalable, uh, just, from a response you get or, oh, that's a good or call. just by going through the process. So yeah, you're totally right about that. Um, you learn, you'll learn from the off the cuff, off script stuff. Yeah. Could automate. Yeah. Think about how many things you do today that you just tried randomly one day that you just didn't know whether it was going to work or not. And right. sometimes we get caught in our day to day box and thinking about scaling and thinking about automating, you know, it kind of, that all goes together. Like get back to like, your root, what you started. Um, when you talk about like building campaigns and funnels and you have these funnels that have just been working forever, like, you know, what prompted you to write that funnel and make that funnel and make those steps and campaigns and sequences and, you know, so. Right. You, you might not know if it's a shitty funnel until you, until you try open, open it up and, and not even a survey, just a question. Yeah. I'd, I'd almost, I'd almost challenge everybody just to, to like send one, everyone that's listening, it, you know, work that into your marketing calendars, work that in, do a one-off one. See see how much crazy you know. That might be a great way to test into do a broadcast. Yeah. yeah. Do a do a one-off you know list email with an open-ended question. Uh, ah, this is kind of sounds kind of scary too, right? Just do it. Okay, maybe not the whole list if you got like a million people, but uh, pick a subset and send send it and see what happens. But then make sure you can get the replies right. You know what I hate is those uh, no reply <laughs> emails. Oh my gosh! Yeah. Uh, another another pro tip for this: Make sure you take off. Uh, you know, depending on what kind of email builder you're using, the whole like you, that little text that goes on top of the email, like having trouble viewing this email. Oh, you know, geez. like when you send an email from Gmail, that's not coming with that. So that never comes in there. Yeah, so make sure you you inspect that email and take that all off. You know, um, and and uh, so it looks authentic because it is authentic. You are writing that. You're just having to copy and send it out to to a list of a thousand, but you're right. That was a good point. You're like try a small portion, but I got to tell you the first time I did it, I saw all those responses coming in. Um, again, a, a response is almost as good as a click through. I mean, maybe better. I'd say better, man. Yeah. Yeah. So, sure. so it means they're engaged. They took the time to actually sit there and type something out to you that you, yeah. somebody gave you their time and there's nothing more valuable than their time, you know? So no, hundred percent way better. Yeah. You, I mean, we even have this thing uh, sometimes in funnels. I know we're going to talk about funnels in a little bit, but, uh, you know, they have things like the engaged, you know, state yeah. funnel. But normally that just means they clicked on something. But that is not anywhere comp a click versus someone using their little little fingers and typing out something, right? There's yeah. No comparison. I'll take personal response every day. And, yeah, it takes a lot more work to respond to it, but it's usually something of value, you know? Yeah. And speaking of engagement, this is perfect. Like, you know, you're, when they're engaging back and forth with you, again, they're give, they're investing their time in whatever it is that you have to offer them. So the more time someone invests, um, you know, in shopping you or, 
you know, having a conversation with you, you're that much closer to, you know, whatever, whatever your chief aim of that, you know, conversation is. So, um, yeah, cause your competitors aren't right. Right. Exactly. No, no. And so if you're, if you're doing that and complementing it with everything else in your funnel, what a retargeting display ads, you know, and now you're just top of mind and they've built this sort of mini relationship with you. It makes them much, much more likely to choose you. Um, you know, I guess sometimes the challenge can be for companies where they've got marketing and sales and it's almost like sales gets, they reserve the conversation is with sales and then marketing gets all the impersonal things. What, what would you tell a group like that? We're like, well, you know, we pass it over to sales and they say the personal things or. So what we do here is, uh, you know, our marketing team has to like work in sales from time to time and, and same okay. our support team too. Everybody's kind of, you know, cross, huh. cross learning. Right. So, oh, okay. but I think especially marketing and sales. So, you know, yeah, you have to have a separation, right? Because you need people working on different things. But um, I think in order for a good marketer, um, and I guess this might not always be true, but for a marketer to be great, they really got to understand the end game, right? Which is the sale and closing it. And so they can come from that psychology of, okay, when I, when I send this email, what kind of response could I typically you know, um, could I typically, you know, receive because I've been on that end and seen the response, you know? So I, I I'm just big believer of your marketing team has to work in sales from time to time, not just like once when you're training them, like, you know, maybe send them if you know, you sell at a conference, send them to one of those, um, have them answer emails for a day, have them pick up the phone for a day, just so they can see the actual response and not just looking at data. Like the world isn't just data that, you, you know, your relationships aren't just numbers. Right. So, right. you know, you want to see actual human response that's coming from your marketing efforts. Um, and I, again, same, same with me. Like I, I would never ask anybody to do anything, you know, that I haven't really done myself because it's so much harder to explain. Yeah you know, if, and and to get them to buy in, if they don't, you know, know that you believe in it. So, yeah. So true. You know, to have marketing work in sales, sales work in marketing, some of the best training for uh, marketing can come in sales. And in fact, that's sort of where we bumped into each other because, you know, I'm a marketer and then I was working with classic tuxedo, which I guess I don't know if that was the original company and now you're classic photography and um, it's still classic photography, right? Yeah, yeah. I rebranded. I didn't know about it. <laughs> no, no, we're still classic photographers. Okay, yeah, yeah. So I, I worked with uh, you and Bill at Classic Tuxedo, just working at trade shows, trying to get people signed up on the tuxedo side. And we didn't have to get any money. Well, actually, we did. We didn't have to get people to buy anything at the time, just kind of reserve a spot to come in, get the discount. But man, it was a great sales training because I had to you know, think on my feet and meet people. And I loved it too, but you know, I had to do all these things and, and learn all these lessons, sales lessons as a marketer. And it was such great training. Um, you know, like I could probably write a book on it. It was just so, (laughs) but that was really valuable. And yeah, for sure. You know, for, you know, salespeople that, uh, can, can go and spend some time in marketing or understand more of that process. They'll better understand what kind of leads are coming their way. And what kind of conversations to have? Man, that, that yeah, that was a lifetime ago too, right? Yeah, <laughs> so it was. ago. wasn't that long ago, was it? I hope, uh, probably yeah, was. yeah, yeah. I don't want to, I don't want to date <laughs> us, but uh, you know, and one thing I remember from that actually, as you talk about it, it kind of ties into what we're talking about is we used to spend, you know, part of that sales pitch was spend a lot of time with them because they had just you know a window of time at this yes. trade show, and if you spent a lot of time with them, you gave them the full pitch. They didn't. You know what, especially because we were dealing with like grooms getting married, right? They didn't want to spend, they didn't want to spend, duplicate that time at another place. They were like, honey, we just spent all this time with that place. Like, (laughs) he felt invested. Let's just go with them. Like, I don't want to talk to another tuxedo company. That's true. You know, so it's the same thing. When you're building conversations, you're building trust, you're building relationship and time. And people don't want to replicate that. Everybody's busy these days. And they're like, you know, I've already spent so much time you know, with classic photographers and researching them and talking with them. I don't want to hit the repeat button and do that again, you know, with yeah. another company. Let's just go with them. They really seem like, you know, they care about our business, you know, so. It should be really annoying. Yeah, it could be really annoying to repeat, you know, I think of sales term discovery, you know. Oh, yeah, right, right. Discovery over and over again. Um, I've certainly bumped into um, leads, prospects, people who are looking to buy, not my tool, but I'm kind of like in on that sale, kind of helping out that sale. And they're, 
what did I call it? It was like discovery. Um, they, they were just fatigue. They were just completely yes. exhausted from sharing. Here's our challenge. Here's our system. Here's what we're doing. We've already shared this like 90 times. It was that much harder for us. And we were like, you know, the third people to hear this. Um, and we had to coax it out of them. And it, you're so true. The first time around, you're bopping. You have all these ideas. You want to share where your pain points are at. Right. Share it one or two times. You don't even remember if you shared it with that group or a different <laughs> Yep. Yeah, for sure. That's so right. That email could do that. Yes, absolutely. It's a big Especially part of like, it. You know, what's going on right now? You know, what are your challenges? Or Yeah. And that's what it should be. It should be, you know, it shouldn't be something – that can necessarily, I mean, sometimes it can, but it shouldn't be something that's necessarily yes or no answer, but yeah. you be starting that conversation. I mean, if you get a yes or no answer, you know, no tells you where you're at, right? If, if, yeah. And yes tells you, you know, okay, then you follow up with another question. Um, right. And that's where, you know, a little more training comes into play. It's crazy if people are answering your open-ended question with a yes. Yeah, right. Yeah, oh yeah. Do you want steak for dinner or chicken? Yes. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So... So steak at six, is that right? <laughs> yes. Tell okay. me how you'd like your steak cooked. Yes, yes. Yeah, yes. You'd like it burnt? <laughs> That's a good yeah. point, man. Um, and I, I love the idea of the open-ended question too because it reminds me of uh, like the best video games nowadays too where it's this open-ended world you can walk around. I think in the past, think about Mario. You know, you had this two-dimensional you always had to go to the right, you know, move to the right of the screen and the screen kept moving and they had infinite numbers of worlds for you to die in. Um, whereas nowadays some of the best video games let you go anywhere, go backwards yeah. if you want, go forward. There's a plot. You know, I think of things like Grand Theft Auto and Oblivion and some of the games now, even the multiplayer ones where it's like, go wherever you want. There is a plot if you want to follow it, but there's also these subplots and these other directions you want to go. And it's so much more freeing and fun to, you know, pave your own path as opposed to just having to walk that maybe regimented automation that somebody else has created for you, you know? Yeah. You know, and that you bring up such a good point because, you know, in sales and marketing, right. We're always told like, especially in sales, like be in control of the sale, like already know which path you're taking them on. And right. that's the, that's the path to the sale. But look, I think that's another somewhat myth that needs to be busted because, you know, you should believe in giving your client what they want. And if you just listen to them, they right. might want some other solution that you have. And it wasn't the one you thought that they wanted. You would have been, that's the worst when, you know, in sales, when you're not listening to what your clients want, right. And you're trying to sell right. them something you don't want, they're gone. Oh, but, but I can't tell you how many times if you just listen to your clients, there might be a product that you don't even offer that you should offer. And if you mm -hmm. hear that over and over again enough, it's like, you know, this is what our, you know, our list, our followers, this is what they want. Like maybe we should be creating this. So right. yeah, you're totally right. If you let them take it in whatever direction they want sometimes, you know, and, um, you might yeah, or maybe that loose guidelines, you know, where yeah, right, right. it feels like you can go anywhere you want. I think, I think back, you know, geek out on games like Boulder's gate was kind of that way where you, you kind of need to get out of your existing castle and go to the next one, but how you got there was up to you, you know? So you right. Not as much fun as the go anywhere thing, but uh, for sure, one of those, yeah, yeah, just kind of giving people freedom to at least feel like they have the freedom, feel like they have control. I've talked to people where they don't want, you know, whether it's employees and teams, it's like, it's not about more money. I just want a sense of control, a sense of, you know, I'm making choices that matter, you know? Right, absolutely. So, Tell me then, uh, funnels. We'd be kind of dancing around this. Yeah, yeah. Every time I hear funnel, I think of like funnel cake. <laughs> Is that, do I just need to cut back on the car? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I think that's right. right. Yeah. They don't even call it that up here, right? No, no. Uh, fried dough. Fried dough. Yeah. Fried dough. Elephant ears. Yes, right. I've heard funnel that. cake. What, what, I don't, what are the other ones? Is that, is that it? I don't know. It's I just, don't know. Uh, you know, fried bready goodness with sugar on top. Yeah. Yes. Or what you call it. Yeah. It's usually a mistake, but it's such <laughs> yeah. a mistake, you know? Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay. So let's talk funnels, right? So you, you've created funnels for classic photography and for, for other apps. What's your just overall strategy for approaching that kind of a. Well, uh, you know, that's sort of evolved over the years, but you know, it's generally, yeah. it's always been, you know, let's get the lead with a very short form. Right. And, yep. um, and just, uh, we 
we've gone back and forth, right? You can get two types of leads depending on what you're looking for. A very high qualified lead with a longer form. Um, you know, I, I still am a pretty big believer of let's just get them in our world. So if, you know, a name, email address, whatever, yeah. and we can nurture them along the way. But uh, like you alluded to earlier, uh, we are, our main business is the wedding industry and we have a very short window. Um, we're mainly selling wedding photography. So for us, our funnel has to look a little different because um, a bride and groom getting engaged, you know, and then, mm -hmm you know, from that point, they have to pick a date, which involves a venue. And then they generally get a photographer because photographers are, you know, they, there's only one, you know, Keith Phillips on this date and that's the right. date I'm getting married, you know, so it's not something like flowers where there's a somewhat unlimited supply. So it's, and it's something that usually people are very interested in, right? So we have a short window. We don't have this long, like let's nurture them, you know, whether it takes years or months or weeks until they come around and buy something. So, our funnel does look a little more aggressive and a little different. Yeah. Um, you know, we still want to use that short form to get them into our system. But then, you know, I really, you know, one thing, um, I'm not sure where I learned it. Maybe I invented it, but like a step through form very early on. Right. So a short form just to get their information. Okay. But then I'm landing them on another form, you know, so oh, right away. Yeah. Right away. Immediately. Yeah. Uh, so it's like, Hey, you know, whatever your lead magnet is, you know, enter our contest or, you know, uh, sign up for our newsletter. Right. Yep. And then the next one might be a, a slightly bigger offer, right? Whether it's, Hey, you know, um, where you're gathering just one more piece of information that you might need to understand what product they're interested in. So whether it's a survey, um, you know, and you've already, hopefully with your forms, you could pass along the data. So anything they've already filled out, you know, you want to make everything as easy as possible in that right. funnel. So, so we do a lot of that. Like let's get them right to the next step as quickly as possible because we have to close them as quickly as possible. Right. Um, and then, you know, with our funnels, then shortly thereafter, we definitely follow up with that eight word email. So they might get, cool. you know, right away. Is it like the first email or is there more? Email no, for that? no. So we'll, we'll send like a nice, like expectation email. I call it like cool. after they filled out that first form, Hey, thank like you for that. entering our contest, right? Here's what you can expect from us, you know, moving forward. Like someone from the office will reach out and, you know, uh, may reach out and say, hi, um, we have an awesome special going on this month. Check out this promo code. And, you know, whatever that second form is, if they didn't fill that out, I'm feeding them that form. Oh, obviously, yeah. Yeah, obviously, if they filled out that form, that email they're going to get is going to look a little different. I'm going to put them in that third form I might want to see. So for us, it's like a lead magnet, a, you know, some somewhat of like, you know, some sort of survey, right, to kind of find out what their needs are. And then, yeah. hey, here's all our packages. Pick one. You know, raise your hand and tell me which one you like. You know, so that's, that is the direction I'm trying to send them in. But so that first email is just kind of setting expectations. This is who we are. Here's what we do. Here's our main bullet points, whatever. And then two, you know, two or three days later, they're going to get that eight word email. So that's cool. So yeah. you said, I love the expectation setting because you know, yeah. a, lot of, a lot of businesses, service, retail, B2B product, you name it. It's, it's not usually the product that or service that's at fault when there's an issue. It's usually expectations, you know, right. Right. I love that you're aligning expectations up front, you know, and you're saying, look, here's what you can expect. You know, we're probably going to call you. We're probably going to, that's, you know, that special or this and that. Just kind of give them the, and it's probably not that the same look as that eight word email, right? It's probably more of that corporate professional. That's right. Yep. Yeah. So that way you don't blend the two. So people are like, you know, if you kind of, if you kind of, I've always, I've always thought that when you blend that corporate looking email with that personal email, it, all it does is make both of them look worse. You know, it That's, makes them both more ineffective. Great point. Yeah. Great point. I mean, because the one should look like you sat down and wrote it, you know, and it really yeah. should, you are just sit down and write it and send it right. and see what happens, you know, and you can split test or whatever later. But, um, but yeah, you know, so, so for us, we're really trying to get to that quickly, you know, whereas, right. you know, if you're a B2B and you have some more time, maybe you want to, wait on that eight word email i think you know just you know giving people time to soak in your information or right. your blog or whatever whatever nurture practices you're doing you know um wait till you see they've maybe but in our case we just want to speed up that process a little bit yeah. or you know. test it you never know yeah. sometimes people are hot you know hot to sure. get 
And I, I hear a lot of research about people binging too, even on the long B2B sale. Then when they want the info, they want the info. They want all of it. They don't want to wait seven days. Sure. Point test. Um, but what I like about your situation is it's kind of this crossroads between B2C and B2B. Um, some people argue they don't even exist and it's B2H. But I, for me, I hear it's a considered sale. It's a little bit more of a high dollar value. These aren't like sneakers people are buying, right? Right, right, right. And, and you do it once and it's really, really important, especially on which part of the bridal party you are, right? Those photos will last forever. You only get a one, one go at it, right? So yes. you want to pick the right person. Um, you know, having met thousands of brides and grooms to be, you know, at these you, you understand the importance of this and, and even having been one, you really need to shop that. And so you, that considered sale and that dollar amount takes it out of that realm of just basic B2C. It kind of puts it more in that B2B realm, but it's a little faster of a transaction. So I don't know, it's this kind of cool hybrid. So I think there's a lot that marketers can learn from the other side anyway. So B2B can, has learned from and can still learn from B2C and vice versa. B2C can get a little less creepy and learn from the, the relationships of B2B, right? And right, yeah. you're kind of this middle blend where it is a faster thing. They could, can they buy online? Can they fill out a form and give you a credit card and that kind of thing? Yes, we're totally e-commerce. Okay, so, so they're uh, still yeah. transacting like that. They don't need to get a PO from no, their boss. No. Yeah, yeah. The and they don't need us to send them a contract. Or, yeah, so you're oh, absolutely right. Some people come in our funnel and they – they just buy right away. You're right. They just click through and they're like, oh, hell yeah. You, yeah. More so, of those, right? <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. So more of those. And, um, but some do take a while and you know, uh, one point on the funnel, I think I'd like to hit, you know, like you said, being less yeah. creepy or whatever is like, keep in mind, you're still dealing with a human being, right? So even though you're automating this all down the road, your responses should reflect whatever it is they've done. Don't just say like, if they've registered for a particular package or an offering okay. that you have, like, don't just reply. Your next email shouldn't be like, here's all our packages. Which one do you want? They just told you which one they want. Right. Like, so your email should reflect that. So, you know, whatever sort of CRM you're using and automation tools, like, you know, have all that data, you know, tag all, everything that they're doing and put them in the separate sequences based on, you know, even based on how they found you in some cases, right? If they right. click through from this podcast, your response yeah. should be like, Hey, thanks for checking out the podcast. Like, did you have any questions about what we do? Like, you know, so, you know, uh, make everything as personalized as possible because, you know, there's nothing more annoying when like I've already, you, you, as a shot consumer yourself, you've, you've kind of, you feel like you've built this relationship with the company and, or you've, uh, a lot of consumers are smart enough these days that they know that you know what they're doing on your website and what, right. on your emails. And like, so like, I'm kind of annoyed when I've, I like, for example, today, like I was checking out, I don't know, I'm just always constantly looking at cars because I just, I'm terrible and I never buy a new car. But like, so I was Same like, here, yeah. the other day, I'm like looking at like, um, you know, I don't know, I was just looking at the new RAV4s on the Toyota website. And, and then all of a sudden today, like, you know, I saw a retargeting ad for a RAV4, but then like, now I'm starting to get them for their Sienna. Like, I don't need a minivan, like, or another one. I already have one. Like, <laughs> they're not paying attention to like what I'm doing on their website. And we have those tools as a client. Like, I'm all about, you know, I guess we can jump into that. But like, I love Facebook ads. Like, a lot of people are like annoyed by them. But as a consumer, I love it because I'm seeing ads for things that I want. Like, finally, I, right? Yeah. Like, don't just fill my life like TV commercials and the stuff I'm just not interested in. Like, show me ads for things I want, you know? I was going to so, say, how, how behind is TV? Because I, I've oh. been, um, watching uh temptation island with the missus have you heard about that one no no this i can only imagine though <laughs> ridiculous uh four couples that should have broken up that, is, that haven't yet get put on this island and there's like 12 like models of the opposite sex there to like tempt away their significant other it's ridiculous it's kind it's of funny cool. it's like uh so anyways watching this but there's ads on the thing and they definitely, not, they're not hitting either of us, right? So it's, it, but it's so behind. I would be happy if there was an ad for some marketing platform that came up on there and then an ad for, I don't know, hiking boots and backpacks and like, how cool would that be? Why, why is TV so behind? Oh man, it's so annoying. It's like, they definitely have the resources to figure this out and they just don't care. They're just selling ads to the highest bidder, I assume, you know, yes. it's like, I don't, yeah. I've heard that that's, it's broken now. I've heard that there used to be this flux. I don't know, maybe it was Seth Godin was saying it. Uh, it was a podcast or something um, that you know, normally what you do is 
you buy a television ad, it increases your profit in area. You use some of the profit to buy more television ads and like, and it grows. Hmm. And I've heard that maybe within the last three or four years, that math, that math and that model doesn't know, doesn't work anymore. So that's a huge problem. If yeah. you're TV and, and I think about how the utilization of YouTube and things like that, where I'm watching things that are interesting, probably too much, right? You go, you start watching YouTube at like 10 PM and then now it's like one, you're like, wait a second, where did my life go? But, but at least the ads, if you see them are, are relevant to you. Or in my case, I buy, I buy that YouTube, whatever it's called and don't even see an ad, you know? Right. Well, so YouTube actually, you know, and this is relatively new and they, they're, they get it right. Like they have, you have intent audiences that you can use as YouTube ads. And like, again, as a consumer, I love it as a marketer. I love it. You know, like, uh, is there intent though? Or I guess it depends on the video. Yeah. No, it's brand new. So they have, you know, so based on your previous Google searches, you know, Google and YouTube. Oh, they, bringing they have the what's called a, Google. Yeah. It's very, it's, it's very new. Um, but, um, we've played around with it. And it's awesome. So you can create intent audits audiences. So like, you know, in the past, here's the keywords they have searched. What? And yeah. This is right. Yeah. So, so again, so YouTube gets it in the TV realm. Like let's show these people ads that, cause you're totally right. Like, on YouTube, sometimes I'm seeing ads for things that I like. Sometimes it's like, what is this ad? I don't want to see it. But Another pharmaceutical, please. Yeah, but they got it. That you know, they're, They got um, to figure it out. Huh? Some nerdy exec out. over Google was like, how about we just connect these two things together? And people are like, oh, okay. And then it's like <laughs> miracle, you know? Yeah, I mean, it seems to work for Facebook. Wow. Like, you know, yeah. So with Google. Yeah, tell me about Facebook. Tell me, what are you up to? What, what do you like on there? What's got you fired up? What's working? Well, so, you know, everything we talk about in our funnel, we want to mirror the same thing. You know what I mean? So just the same thing we've been just talking about, like whatever that, you know, our client um, has told us, again, we don't want to, you know, so in our business, right? If they, they told us I'm not interested in, you know, video, I just want a photographer, right? Like, you know, there's a time and place to maybe tell them why they should consider video, right? But again, if, if they got real close to buying and they've told you this is what they want, don't start showing them ads for a product they've already told you they don't want. Like, you know, to take the specific ad. So in your funnel, like your funnel should match your email marketing funnel. Your Facebook ad funnel should match the same thing. So you're taking them in and out of different you know, campaigns or, you know, maybe, maybe it's the same campaign on Facebook ads, but different, you know, ad sets. Right. Right. So so we're going to go through different ad sets of like, okay, you've picked this product, you know, you've told me you've liked this product, um, you know, and, or, or maybe, you know, so you should, you should have your funnel should be the same. So here's some general information about us. We just got your lead, right? So you can sync your leads into Facebook ads, um, you know, multiple different ways, right? You can okay. import your list. There's different, you know, mechanisms to do that with automation or whatever. Um, or you could just use website traffic, right? If they visited just my homepage and nothing else, I want to start telling them about what I do. Now, if they've, you know, visited my, you know, different products page, now I want to maybe get more into like, instead of generally what I do, here's our products and start showing them carousel ads. I mean, right. video ads are the best. And then, same thing. Now, if they've clicked on a package definitively, I want to start showing them ads for that package or that product, you know? And so take them through that same funnel, but on Facebook ads. Um, what kind of ads? How, how far, like when I love the, uh, this is a new concept for me. I love the idea of it. I hadn't even thought of it, but matching your ad display to people's location in the funnel, like makes total sense. Yeah. I, I think, yeah, this is again, one of those lessons we can learn from, you know, this B2B, B2C hybrid model is, yeah, match that stuff. Do your ads, um, how salesy are they? Are they trying to close a deal on the ad? I'm sure you've tested many things, but closing a deal, or are they just trying to say how great it is or uh, maybe social proof of other people think this is the best, number one rated, whatever? Yeah. So again, it just depends on where they are in the funnel, right? If they're all the way at the end of my funnel and I've sent them emails that say like, Hey, don't forget to finish your registration don't, or Hey, don't forget to, you know, close out your shopping cart, depending on what, what you're oh, saying. Geez, yeah. Right. You know, like you're sending those emails like, Hey, you left this in your cart. Did you, that whole thing. Right. Mm-hmm. I might, my, I'm going to have the same sort of display on my Facebook ad if they've reached that point, you know, like a little right. wavy emoji. Hey, how are you doing there? <laughs> we, we saw like, you know, if you have any questions, let us know, but you know, yeah. don't forget to complete your purchase, you know, sale ends in three days, whatever it might be. So, and with Facebook, you can, um, 
you can set up different conversions, right? So whether it's add to cart, purchase, um, it could be any form on your website you could set up as a conversion and Facebook will optimize for people they think will convert, you mm. know, those different levels. So, um, so again, take them through the same process. So, you know, um, if you want to just tell them how awesome you are, like that's probably the people that just came into your funnel and never did anything else, you know, right. your brand awareness. Right. And, yeah. and, um, but you're totally right. Reviews are great. Um, I love using reviews um, in ads. So, um, real testimonials from other yeah. clients, you know, that goes a long way. Um, and, uh, and the conversation, we start conversations on Facebook ads. Why not have an eight word Facebook ad, you know? Right. So, um, oh, 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 eight word, eight word Facebook ad. That's cool. Yeah. So start a conversation, let them comment with their answer. And there's actually tools, you know, we talked a little bit at launch the other day, there's bots, right? Facebook messenger bots. So there's tools you can use different programs to pull those different, you know, when someone comments on your ad, you can send them a Facebook message and now you have them in your, in your messenger, you know, uh, database and you can continue that conversation in messenger. So yeah. everything we talked about with email applies also to Facebook. Um, Interesting. Yeah. All, all the authenticity, the messaging, uh, carry it over so that you have that consistent yeah. message. You're not, you know, looking like two different people at the same time. And it could be a lot of work, you know, I'm not going to. No, it sounds like a lot of work actually. Yeah. <laughs> you might look at it and say, geez, I really need to hire someone to do this for me. And that's fine. You know, an ad agency or whatever, but. Um, Impact. What, what? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, totally. Yeah, Who, said sure. that? Who said that? I don't know. It's just, thank thank you know for your support, ma'am. I appreciate that. <laughs> but yeah, look, it is a lot of work, but again, yeah. just like setting up your email marketing funnels, it pays off in the long run. You know, you have to take the time to do it. So, you know, but match your funnels, like, just like, you know, you were just saying, like, make sure the, whatever your email, maybe you're doing SMS marketing, it should all match, you know, and they should, your clients should feel like they're going, you know, through a consistent journey, not like mm -hmm. getting all kinds of random information about you from all over. It should be, you should be thinking about like, where are they at in the journey, right? That's kind of like a buzzword for marketing. Where are they at in the journey? And what kind of information do they need at this part of the journey? And that should match across all your platforms. Across all the platforms. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Where are they at? And, and, and I think your point earlier about, you know, not asking the same question over and over again. Uh, it's inefficient. It looks unprofessional. Yeah. And it adds friction to forms, to transactions, to any work you want someone to undertake any you know effort or barter transaction of your your white paper or your discount for their information you keep asking the same stupid thing over and over again all you're doing is reducing reducing conversions i think there's like there's reports that even show um i think i read something to the effect of one to three percent uh on average um uh, decrease in conversions every new field you add right so every field you put yeah. on there that you don't need even if it's a good field it's like reducing your conversions i think you said at the beginning short form at the beginning to get them in you know at the beginning so that you can at least capture them get them into your funnel right yeah and well and i think you hit on something right like don't annoy them like one thing i didn't mention about the a word email is you better respond to those because if you, oh yeah and I mean, I know that seems like a no brainer, but like, you know, some people would get excited about this and not want to put the time into following up with those people, right? It does take time. And I know we talk about being automated and efficient, but we're also talking about being successful and making sales, right? So sometimes that might take a little work. I'd rather reply to a hundred emails than pick up the phone and call a hundred cold leads. These are people. Oh, yeah. Yeah. These people have raised <laughs> their hand and said, I'm interested. So this is, this is a good thing, but make sure you follow up. And then you said like, don't send the same message twice. So geez, you know, mm. imagine if you don't follow up and then you send the same question two weeks later and they're like, wait a minute, I answered you and you never got back to me. That's a, that's a quick way to lose a, a potential client. So do you save their answer somewhere in your CRM or whatnot? Or because getting off of, you know, funnels and getting off of automation, when you, when you ask those questions on email, now you've got an answer that's out there in the open. Do you tag that to your CRM when you reply or, cause you got to remember their answers at scale too. Yeah. Right. So, you know, a lot of times that email reply isn't easily like passed over to your CRM. There are ways to do it. Again, this might be something that you might automate. That's not worth it. Um, you know, we use help scout to manage our emails. That's a great, great program. And okay. so you can always look back at your whole conversation there and make your notes. Yeah. So, you know, we use that in conjunction to, you know, Infusionsoft, our, our CRM platform, but um, I hear they got renamed. 
Yeah, yeah, it's now keep um, by Infusionsoft. Keep, it's like yeah, not, Kiape, even, that's not even spelled properly, right? Yeah, yeah. So um, I'm gonna start calling it Kiape. But, <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, they'll love that. Um, <laughs> they're really all about this rebranding right now. Right, but you know, to, to your point though, saving that you know, using your tools. Yeah, yeah. I think I think to me in Salesforce, there is a way when you. I mean, one of the things that I love to do is just whenever I reply to someone, I BCC Salesforce. It grabs that email and yes, right, drops yeah. it into the CRM, so you have that the answer. And making sure the team does that as well, because to your point, the worst thing they could do is they reply, you have a conversation, then you don't remember. Maybe you don't remember because you had a hundred conversations, but use your technology to remember, you know? Yeah. And I find generally if they're responding, you're probably moving somewhere down the road. So whether you're sending out a proposal for, you know, a service that you have, that's going to send them off in a different direction anyway. And you'll have those notes too. So, you know, I think the goal of like starting that conversation isn't, you don't necessarily have to complete that conversation manually until the day they buy. You're generally putting them probably into a different campaign, different sequence, right? maybe even a whole different funnel that's going to be automated, right? But you took, there was that break in your funnel where you took the time to treat them like a human being and, and interact with them, you know? You know, I'm so curious now. I think I'm, I might need to enter, not that I want to give you a, a, a crazy lead, but I might just enter this funnel because this sounds like a, like a best in breed, best practice funnel. Um, yeah, go for it. <laughs> yeah. Hopefully there's some automation that weeds me out. It's like, you're right, <laughs> get out of here. <laughs> question. Are you married? Yes or no. Yes. What are you doing here? <laughs> Follow up question is, did you hear about it on the podcast? Are you just trying to, <laughs> yeah. Are you trying, you trying to, to check funnel? out our funnel? Yeah. You could have just called me. I would have okay, told cool. We'll put you through it, but we won't. You know. Yeah, yeah. We won't spend money on you. That's yeah, please, please don't waste any money on my ad spend. Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, totally. Don't click on my ads. Yeah. I think I used to do a training where I would teach people about AdWords, and I'd have them all Google. I don't know. It was like, nah, it was like mesothelioma because back in the day, the the AdWord click on that was like a hundred dollars a click. <laughs> oh, no. You know, and it's just like, <laughs> that's cruel. Yeah, it's so cruel. AdWords cruel. Hashtag. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Uh, well, this is cool, man. Hey, who are you? Because I know we've worked together, but I don't. What What's your background? Take me back to Little Keith. You know, like how did you become this this multifaceted operational marketing sales biz dev genie? I should have yeah. I should have said that at the beginning. That was, should have been a better introduction. Gee. Yeah, I mean, I guess I've been an entrepreneur my whole life, man. Like I had yeah. lemonade stands at age five and really? six. And did you like paint the thing or draw on cards? No, no, no. It? I just put up like my little like little tykes like a uh, picnic table with a sign. You know, yeah. The, yeah, I, you know. Is that graphic- the orange legs that kind yeah, of? Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My graphic design skills aren't. Aren't, aren't my strength. So there'd be like some poorly written sign that nobody could read, but, but Hey, right. your kids standing out there with a jug of lemonade. People know who you are. Right. Right. <laughs> but yeah, I, you know, um, I used to sell newspapers at the train station down the street from me just in the morning. And, and then I'm like, Wait, Oh, are you, from, are you from like the UK? There's a train uh, station. Well, I grew up in a rail kind of thing. I did, I did grow up in New York, just a little bit outside of the city. Uh, so yeah, oh, it was a commuter rail, like okay. right in my house. And like, I'm like, Oh geez, people are buying papers. What else might they want? Oh, they buy coffee. And I probably made the worst coffee on the planet. It, but I was like, <laughs> but people saw like a cute kid selling coffee and they're buying it. So yeah, I've been doing this, you know, I, and I didn't know it either. I went to college to be a history teacher and then really, yeah. And then I started working for Bill and, and, and so go back to that. So, yeah, yeah. you know, here you're, you're, you're grinding, you're crushing, you're, you're selling yeah. things, you know, you probably had that thick Brooklyn accent and you're just selling uh, things left and right. And, and then you're like, I'm going to go to school for history. What was that about? I don't know, man. I just, I love history. So I thought, you know, in high what school, kind? what's your, do you have a favorite area or you guys? Uh, no, it's pretty general. Yeah. World yeah. history is I've made my way through college and just thought, you know, I teach high school history, probably general world civ or something. And, uh, and yeah, I just, you know, started again, you know, I went from, I probably had, you know, a job in high school, like working at the grocery store. And, uh, you know, th- that was really kind of boring for me. And, yeah. um, actually I, I forget, I always forget about the story. I was, um, you know, I had my prom, right. And I had to get a prom tuxedo and someone in the store is like, Hey, if you hand out these flyers, you know, we'll get you your tux for free. And then we'll, no uh, and then they're like, you know, and for every one pass that you get, we'll pay you, you know, $10 per kid that comes in with your flyer with your name on it. And I, I hustled that man. Cause I'm like, Oh, I can pick I my limo if I get 40 people in here. So that was probably like my first like taste back into like, you know, 
um, I was like, yeah, this is cool. And they offered, you know, they offered me a job at that point because I sent so many referrals in. Yeah. So I started working there during college and just when it came time to make the decision, do I really want to be a history teacher? I'm like, no, you know, I really, I, I love, you know, sales and marketing. And yeah, I, good at it, right? You're bringing all these people in and everything. Yeah. So I just decided to go down that path instead at that point. Um, you already had that history degree then? You, yeah, that was my just, degree. So, I mean, I didn't great. even, I took a couple marketing classes just because my school is a general business school and I think it was like on the, you know, you have to take at least one business class or something, but it wasn't, yeah, by far it wasn't, you know, and it's funny. I told my parents, I said, you know, I'm not, I don't think I'm going to be a teacher. And they're like, yeah, we knew that. We knew that for <laughs> <laughs> like, we've known that since you were a small child, we knew you wanted to be in business. So. Right. Have you heard that there's a podcast, a hardcore history? No, I haven't. Oh, you got to check this one out. Yeah. Uh, such a good one. Um, hardcore history. Uh, I heard heard about it from uh, Joe Rogan. Um, it, it spelled hard. I think it's. it's I mean, this this is hardcore marketing. I don't. Yeah, yeah. I don't know why, why there's a comparison. Uh, but uh, how does he spell it? Let's see. He spells it. Oh, he's one word like hard then C O R E hardcore. Okay. History. Not to be confused with hardcore marketing show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, Dan Carlin, man, he he does so much research, hours of research, whole team, and then he'll do like nine hours and it'll be broken up into, you know, one, two hour segments, but he went through one was called, one of my favorite was King of Kings. He went through the history of the Persians and how that the whole empire to end up taking over all the surrounding areas. And he, what he would do is he'd research all the historians. He'd go, look, I'm not a historian. I'm a reporter, journalist. I'm an enthusiast like you. This one historian says this, this one historian says this. I don't know. I think maybe it's one of the two. And then he'll kind of share why he thinks that maybe that is the case. So fascinating. But then he'll describe, he really gets in, intense in describing like the, the warfare or like the reason the Persians took over is because everyone else was so brutal, like just murdering villages and horrible stuff. The Persians would come over and be like, look, you can govern yourself. Don't mess with us because then we'll burn your village down. Otherwise, you can continue to rule yourself. Just make sure if we ever call, you know, you answer. And so they were more civilized and that got a bigger empire created. So it was just, you should check it out. It's really cool. Yeah, that's awesome. I will check it out. You know, and that makes me think too, like, you know, there's big lessons to be learned for history for, for any asset of your life. But I, I always look at it like running a business, right? Like one of the cyclical things you see throughout history is when, when there's, um, you know, a point of chaos, right? Or war or something, you know, generally there's some innovation that comes out of that, you know, and then that innovation brings apart, you know, uh, you know, once the war's over, you know, you kind of have this like smooth time period where, where you're innovating even more because you're not, now you're not bogged down with fighting a war. You can, you can be creative and think and grow as a country or a nation, empire, whatever it is. And then uh, inevitably you get tossed back in the war because that's just human nature. But, you know, same goes for your business. Like sometimes you have a, a struggle or a conflict or you hit a rocky point and, you have to innovate to get out of that spot. And then when your business is running well, you're not putting out fires, right? There's always talking about putting out fires, like especially right. whether it's retail or whatever, you know, I'm hiring, I got to replace this person or we're growing. We need to, and when you're doing that, it takes away from your creative time, which I think you and I talked about at lunch yeah. a while, but you have to set aside time for cre creativity. But when your right. business is running well, you're able to be more creative. And you, you see that throughout history with these large empires, when things are going well and they're not like worried about invaders, they're able to be more creative and spend their energy on that instead of fighting wars and putting out fires, you know? So right, there's right. a lot to be, you know, learn from, from history. That's a really cool comparison. I guess I had never really compared that, but I, that's why I love, and I love asking about, you know, what you did in school or what, what were those passions? Because you're right. Like there's no one else like you that has had that history, the lemonade stand, the newspapers, the history degree, and then marketing and biz dev and that kind of thing. So there's lessons to be learned there. And, and I think you're right. There's the times of chaos, the innovation to rise above either, either crushes you or you rise above it with that innovation. And yeah. I think about the Egyptians, right. Who were kind of because of their geography in this sort of isolation, you know, super plentiful because of the Nile, but then around them is just like desert. No one really messed with them for so long that they were able to, be more peaceful and yeah, you know, they might go raid the Numidians and just pick yeah, up them a little, little bit. That, that wasn't really a war, you know? And so yeah. it was like, they were able to develop the writing and math and those kind of things from that. Yeah, for sure. Huh? Huh? So, same with their business. You got to look, how do we get out of 
putting out fires and, and, you know, and how to, and again, how to be innovative and creative, you know, how can we get ourselves to that point? This is anything else in there, the sort of history that you sort of, you know, or the study of the past. I'm just, this is interesting, you know, this, you know, password looking, but then using that into your, your innovation. Um, yeah, gee, I don't know. You kind of put me on the spot. The spot. But, I know. Yeah, yeah. But, but yeah, no, I mean, I, for me, it's mostly, yeah, looking at those things. And, and if you look at like some of these successful, like, you know, Egypt was a great example of successful empires. Like what yeah. is it that they, what, what is it that allowed them to be successful? And I think you can apply it, right? Like, you know, all the, I, I gotta be honest, I have it. I've never read it, but like a lot of people in business read the art of war by Sun Tzu. Right. And oh yeah. Yeah. That's, I don't know what he teaches in there and why it's important to business, but I know a lot of people look at that and mm -hmm. use it. And some people, uh, you know, conversely, some people look at, you know, Machiavelli and the Prince and think that that's a good way to run a business either. And, um, <laughs> that's a different kind of business. Yeah. That's a different, like, right. So I think like you're running, yeah. so you got to look at how you look at it. I mean, ethics always, you know, now we're getting off way on a topic, but I think ethics yeah. and morality, you know, have to take a place in your business too. And, um, to go, to tie it back in, you know, to our conversations, like I, again, I think, um, treating people like people and your prospective mm -hmm. clients and your clients being empathetic and, and looking at the, that part of society and history, you know, and, and the real success and not yeah. just like these cutthroat, like, you know, the city States that rose up or, you know, like, yeah. you know, or yeah, sure. You know, um, not to get too crazy, but you know, you have all those crazy, man. This is, yeah. All those like, show, man. yeah. Wild empires, you know, like whatever you could look at, you know, communist Russia and all the bad things they did to get with sure. it. So look at your business. Are you making cutthroat decisions to make short term gains? Like that's not a way to, to live your life either. So I like to look at that too. Like who, you know, what is it, what sort of influences in, in history and society? Um, and then how do they not only, be creative and innovative and, but, but also in, you know, a moral and ethical way too, I think is a good way to tie it all together. Yeah. You know, with like how to, you know, successful. Yeah. You know, there. you bring it up. It's almost like your lens is this like historical lens. So you're able to see whether it's a country or society or even a business has a history. And it's almost like because you've seen so much history, you're able to sort of extract the bigger picture from those histories. And so, you know, this, you know, is a company acting like, you know, a communistic state. And it, it reminded me, I was talking to a um, great, great dude uh, in Israel, actually, Tal Paparin. Uh, he was on a previous podcast. Um, I should definitely introduce you guys. He's really cool. He's like for, former Israeli army oh, wow. dude. Yeah. Uh, but he was sharing with me, one of his clients he picked up, um, he didn't know this. They're like, we need help because we have a bad reputation. And he went with the CEO of this company around a trade show floor you know and i'm thinking about you and i our trade show we we're walking around a tuxedo we're closing deals it's all great but he goes around with this this the ceo and they get to the first booth and the, and the person goes oh i know who you are not not to tell but to the, the client he goes i know who you are i've heard about your company i want you to know we'll never do business with you wow now just out of the blue and so they go to the yeah. next booth and the next and the next and all these booths are like we will we know who you are. We've heard about your reputation. It's like, oh no, <laughs> what happened? And you're right. They were making decisions. They were selling stuff and not delivering and overpromising, And they were just making all these bad calls like a bad historical nation. And it came up to bite them. They had to, man, all the things they had to do, they had to get rid of the whole leadership team. They had to rebrand, rename everything. It's basically a new company by the time they were done with it, you know? Oh, wow, yeah. And so true. And I think you said earlier, like sometimes you can't come back from it either. So right. you got to look at the decisions you're making and ask, is, yeah. this, is this good for the long-term stability of, of what I'm trying to accomplish, you know? So. Right, right. So what are you doing when you're not crushing your, your funnel game? Oh man, uh, so, got a family right behind. Yeah, you. yeah. So, <laughs> so I have six children, so that uh, keeps yeah. my wife and I pretty busy. Um, you know, and uh, uh, yeah, and they're all young. You know, so right. that that really keeps us busy. You Do you know? look at families with two children like mine and be like, "You guys are weak." <laughs> <laughs> no, everybody has a different situation. Especially when we complain, like, "Oh no, two children so hard to manage." <laughs> like, Psh, please, I got six. Yeah, no, I remember Don't when we had two share. children. It seemed. Uh, it seems difficult, you know, so it's just, yeah. uh, it's a phase in, right? Everybody's always like, Oh my gosh, six children. It's like, we didn't wake up one day and have six children, you know, <laughs> like, you know, we went from one to two to three, you know, That's true. you know, you, it's, it's, um, I will say like by the fourth or fifth, it is like, um, I heard Jim McGaffigan say once, it's like, 
it's like you're drowning and someone hands you a baby, but, <laughs> but, but you don't drown, you make it through it. So, um, yeah, yeah, it's a lot of fun, man. Um, I think you could even look at your kids and there's a lot to be learned. You know, I try to learn something from everything and, uh, oh, cool. it's funny, you know, I already see, you know, some of my boys, I see they have that same entrepreneurship and it's a little scary already. They don't know, you know, cause being an entrepreneur isn't, isn't easy either. Right. It's, it's, it could be, um, stressful times but we are addicted to it i heard yeah. someone say once that entrepreneurship is like should be considered a mental disorder um, <laughs> but but anyway yeah i already see them be. trying to sell like pictures they painted and like you know four or five you know doing small things like that but yeah man we like to um we like to get outdoors we like to hike and kayak we like to um play baseball and yeah uh you know music um you know we were pretty involved in our church um mm -hmm. so um, and just, you know, um, actually my wife homeschools too. So that, that oh, makes wow. it all even She's a little busy. So you get to play all day, essentially. <laughs> yeah. Right. I know. She's so. actually doing work. I know. I wish I was yeah, actually a little more involved with it. <laughs> yeah. Here I am having a <laughs> chat with my buddy. Um, right, you know, right. I love and, um, but, uh, yeah, so, so we're pretty busy at this, uh, season of life as they say. Jeez. I'll say wait till they're, they get into scouts or something. They're hitting the neighborhood selling candy bars or something. You just oh. take the city over by storm, you know, just. Oh man, I did that too. Candy bars. I sold, oh, yeah. uh, I signed up. They used to have those like magazine mail order, like Christmas cards you can sell. Yep. Door to door. I did all that, man. Like, um, always selling something. I always wore a uniform just because I'd get more. Sometimes yeah, you, get, yeah. you get tips. Yeah, you know, like they're like here, I, keep the change. Here's twenty bucks. I just want one chocolate bar. <laughs> cool. And then the question is, do I want to use that to buy twenty chocolate bars, or do I just want to keep the nineteen dollars? Yeah. Like, right. Well, it was hard not to eat a chocolate bar along the way as you walk around the neighborhood. True. So, true. Yeah. Did you ever see that? There was an old Beavis and Butthead, um, which apparently I wasn't allowed to watch as a kid, but somehow yeah, I saw this here. this episode where they were selling candy bars for school, and um, someone had a dollar, Beavis or Butthead, and then. He sold one of his candy bars to his friend, gave him the dollar, ate the chocolate, and then the other guy bought it, bought a chocolate bar from his friend and gave him the same dollar back. And they're <laughs> passing this one dollar back and forth until eventually they'd eaten all, all the chocolate and they only had one dollar to show for it. And they turned that in. Their teacher like had a aneurysm or something. It was just it was a great, great episode. Oh man, I'm sure there's a lesson in economics there if we really thought it through. Right, we could, <laughs> we could write a blog post on that. Yeah, yeah. That's great. Well, that's cool. We should get get some hiking together once um get some yeah, sure. you know, a little family hike. Yeah, absolutely. Your yeah. your massive family and my little one. <laughs> oh, come on. No, no. Yeah, no, that's great. Uh, yeah, we should for sure. I just love getting outdoors, you know. Fresh do you all wear matching clothes or anything cool like that? No, you know, we haven't pulled that off yet. Rhyme or they, no. they all start with the same letter of the alphabet. No, no, yeah. <laughs> we trying to teach them that sound of music song, you know, like yeah. Yeah, they're just not taken to it. They're not no. as moldable as we'd like. Yeah. You gotta cut the curtains down and make clothes out of it first. <laughs> yeah, that's, yeah. That's how you get them in line. Yeah. Blow the whistle and then they all march over. Oh man. That scene. Yeah, oh, yeah. No, I, we watched that like six months ago. I'm like, oh man, this guy really had to figure it out. I, I feel like a failure. <laughs> yeah, well, he had a nanny, so. Yeah, yeah, right, yeah. right. He was like a ship captain and they did think he was like mean and awful for a while. So. Right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so maybe I don't want that. Yeah. Right, right. I hate that. Yeah. I just want to blow a whistle and they all line up though. That would that be, would be cool. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that would be really cool. <laughs> maybe you can show it off next time we go hiking. Yeah, like, I'll work on it. In case you watch this, you know, boop. Uh, yeah. Right now I got them trained. So if I say touchdown, they all put their hands up in the air. Ah, uh, yes. That's a good one. Yeah. That's, I did that when they were little, like, you know, to get them out of like, uh, when, a, you know, changing them or something. Yes. Do touchdown. Yeah. Somehow lost that along the way. So yeah. Yeah. You know what else worked this morning? Actually bacon. There was some bacon cooking downstairs and I just went into their rooms and kind of like got close to them. And I was like, I smell bacon. And the person's like, I smell bacon too. I was like, Oh uh, no, you're just dreaming. Like, i'm gonna go eat all the bacon and they just all got up like there's no there's no like oh let me you know sleep in bed for uh, yeah. nope. zoom right downstairs bacon <laughs> yeah that's that's an easy way to get them up for sure yeah yeah well this is cool man what are some of the links where can you know people find out about you know classic um i say classic tux classic photography um linked up with you what are some of the good places they can connect yeah so um classicphotographers.com is okay. uh is our URL. So definitely check that out. Um, just weddings or anything else? No. So, um, we actually just launched uh, a few months ago. We will do family photography too. So we do oh, cool. 
one hour, two hour, three hour shoots. So it's kind of like a come to you. So, you know, get your mind out of going down to that old, you know, studio and get your mills. Yeah. Yeah. Don't do that. You know, we'll meet you at the park, the beach, wherever oh, cool. you, you go on our website and say, this is where and when we want the shot. Um, pick your photographer and the, and then they'll show up and shoot that for you. And we deliver wow. all, all the pictures and reprint rights back to you, which is pretty wow. So, so yeah, so, um, we're very excited about that. Um, cause it takes us out of the wedding, you know, world. And is that local? Is that nationwide or what are the areas? Yeah. Nationwide. Actually wide. Great. Yeah. So I'm listening to this in Arizona and I can just hit up classic photographers.com. Yeah. We have awesome photographers in Arizona. So, um, Oh, sick. Yeah. Yeah. So, so yeah, so that's, that's our website. Um, you can find me on Facebook, Keith Phillips, find me on LinkedIn. Um, you know, and, uh, cool. Yeah. And you don't do Twitter yet. I don't do Twitter, you know, cause I've always been in this B2C world and it just, Twitter hasn't really worked for us. And, um, in terms of promoting our business. So I just really haven't paid much attention. Mostly to it. it's a complaint line for B2C, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. So it hasn't really, it hasn't been something I've paid a lot of attention to. I think I have a Twitter handle. I just, haven't checked right. it. Oh, we'll work on you. We'll get yeah. you out there. All right. Awesome, man. Well, we'll put these links in the show notes too so people can click through. Okay, cool. Uh, class that's cool. I didn't know you did family photos. So that, that's yeah. open up to that. Get out of the wedding. You know, do weddings too, of course. So if you get married, you listen to the podcast. But uh, but also if you just you just want to get that family pick. Is that one behind yeah. you? Uh, that one's pretty old, but yeah, yeah. My sister took that. So, oh, okay. um, right. but yeah, so we, um, oh, my sister's an awesome photographer, by the way. I give her a little plug. So, okay. But, um, but yeah, so she have like a site or anything? Uh, yeah. So it's, uh, Chelsea London actually check that out. Okay. She, um, she does some great work. So, Sweet. but we, we, um, yeah. So our, our kind of idea is, you know, let us be your photographer, you know, not just for your wedding, but for your lifetime. So, know shoot your wedding shoot engagement pictures family portraits you need a headshot we'll do that too so cool um cool cool i definitely think i need a photographer following me around like 24 7 just uh, every day yeah we could do that too (laughs) yeah (laughs) awesome man well thanks so much for like coming in and hanging out with me and chatting sharing some of your funnel wisdom and voodoo knowledge yeah you got it anytime this is fun Awesome. Awesome. And everyone else out there listening, if you learn something, share this with someone. I know you did because I've got like pages of notes over here. Um, so, you know, that eight word conversation starter, I don't know if I want anyone to share that with anyone, but, but share with only the people you really like because I <laughs> abuse that, but that's really powerful. That actually works. Um, but yeah, get this, get this episode out to other people, share it with them. Uh, but other than that, You know, thanks. Thanks for listening. And this has been a hardcore marketing show. We will catch you all next time.